Chapter Thirteen of Throckmorton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Suman Barua, Toronto, Ontario. Throckmorton by Molly Elliot Sewell. Chapter Thirteen. The next night at midnight there was a solemn stir a painful and heart-breaking commotion at barn elms throckmorton had come he had indeed missed the boat and had driven seventy miles rather than wait a day mrs temple as when beverley died had shut herself up in the chamber with general temple most people thought it was to comfort general temple but in those two dreadful tragedies of her life it was general temple who comforted mrs temple both parents felt something like remorse in their grief they had been good parents after their lights but the wayward capricious jacqueline although their child was outside of their experience her nature had eluded both of them olemas said delilah in a solemn whisper to judith sitting in jacqueline's peaceful room he sat by mistress he hold her hand and he read the bible to her and he tell her she ain't got no reproachments for to make mistress she just lay in the bed as white as the wall and her eyes wide open a hole in old mars like she was drowning it seemed like old mars ain't got no sort o idee cept tis to comfort mistress she do grieve so arter her chillin she ain't got none now to judith whose grief was poignant and complex was left the task of watching by jacqueline with tender superstition she got out the wedding gown it could be put to no other use and she and delilah put it on jacqueline deftly hiding the blood spots my pretty little missy said delilah smoothing down the frock with a hard black hand arter all you gwee up dis pretty little frock miss judy done work for you to get married in and to judith also fell the task of showing freck into the white and darkened room as they looked into each other's eyes and realized that after all they were the chiefest mourners judith's old enmity melted away you and i have struggled for this child's soul he said had you but let me see her had she but gone with me she would be alive this day and wretched judith could not help saying no most happy i understood her better than anybody else it was that which gave me my power over her she wanted nothing in this world except to be loved he went in and stayed so long that judith opened the door softly two or three times sometimes by the dim light he was kneeling by the bed holding the cold little hand in his again he sat on a chair stroking the bright hair that rippled over the forehead judith had not the heart to speak to him until midnight when the sound of throckmorton's step in the hall told her he had come she went in and said to freck hurriedly but not unkindly you must go throckmorton is here then i will go he said but with a queer sort of triumph in his voice he added 
she never was throckmorton's living or dead she was mine as far as her heart and her soul and her will went and so saying he went down the stairs and out and away without meeting throckmorton judith went down into the dining-room where throckmorton sat before the decaying fire with only the light of two tall candles to pierce the darkness he arose silently and followed her at the door of the room his courage which judith had thought invincible seemed suddenly to leave him he the strong man turned pale and clung to the weak woman's arm something of the divine pity in judith's face went to his soul he stayed only a few minutes it came to judith like a flash that his grief was not like freck's throckmorton pitied jacqueline freck pitied himself for the sharp misery of life without her when throckmorton came out judith went in and resumed her watch the day of the funeral was as stormy as the day of jacqueline's death but for that the whole county would have been at the funeral something of the truth had leaked out and the people were conscience-stricken poor jacqueline who two weeks before had in vain asked for a little human pity from them now had her memory deluged with it but the storm was so violent that but few persons could be present as judith stood at the head of the small grave in the wind and the rain listening to edmund morford's rich voice now touched with real feeling she glanced toward freck standing by himself with his hand clasped behind his back his eyes fixed devouringly upon the coffin as the first damp clods fell resounding on the lid he said to himself jacqueline jacqueline throckmorton with folded arms and his iron jaw set gave no sign of his feelings through his stern composure judith's heart was wrenched as if she were burying her own child when they left the grave freck remained standing alone his hat off and the sleety rain pelting his bare head at that sight judith for the first time forgave him from her heart End of chapter thirteen recording by suman barua toronto ontario